Folks, you've got questions. We've got answers. We're going to answer everything that you have asked us about the depth chart today, right here on Locked On Seminoles. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, up top in a very professional recording studio, of which I'm incredibly jealous. We've got our main man, our correspondent on the ground, Hunter Steele. Hunter, you got a long day of uh, working professionally in radio and uh, production, unlike me who just moonlights at it. How are, uh, how are things in the big time going? Things are going great. Uh, I'm here in the Real Talk 93.3 station, Tallahassee's only local ro- owned radio station, the best radio station in Tallahassee. I'm here in the studio, and I think, I hope my mic will sound better. Well, let's hope this episode. Hey, man, at least there won't be echoes. So that's that's all taken care of. It, and I wanted to say you're in the studio so people didn't think if they're on YouTube, uh, they have like a weird Dexter room set up with the soundproof panels. <laughs> and folks, if you are on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Make sure that you, you uh, turn on notifications so that way you get notified when we go live not live but when we publish each and every day it's the season the guys are at camp and we are coming to you five days a week now you may know this you may not either way is fine but the coaching staff has said that if we're attending practice we can't talk depth chart we can't talk about those kinds of decisions i haven't gotten to get down there yet but i plan to be in tallahassee week after next so to avoid breaking those rules but give you all the answers that you want hunter and i decided just to aggregate all of the questions that have come in about the depth chart and kind of do a you know q a session if you will about florida state's depth chart so far as we sit here one week into fall camp so hunter what's the first question we have that the people want to know the answer to about the depth chart well at least the first question i have and you know it's it's hard to not get caught up in all the camp smoke every year you know everyone is a beast and if someone gets burned on a play they suck so it's hard to not get caught up in that we've seen guys like you know like warren thompson a couple years ago his his first camp back when uh all the mike norvell stuff was going down we thought he was going to be a legitimate threat that proved wrong and he was off of the roster soon enough so it's hard to dig through all the weeds and really know what's legit but i think the big question i have and you know, we talked a lot about O-line depth this offseason, and there's been a lot of reports to him, and I don't know if this is smoke or not, but can Julian Armella, will he get legit playing time? Can he make crack the two deep, and can he play like get some minutes at tackle? I mean, we've had injuries in the O-line a lot the past year, and we've got some better depth, but do you think he sees the field? You know, I, I hope he doesn't is kind of my answer to that, and here's why. It's not because I don't think he's ready. You and I have spoken about this. I think he he looks the part. I mean, he is all of the size that he is listed at. Um, he just looks athletic, which is, look, I'm not saying, not saying any linemen that are playing D1 football aren't athletic. They're all good athletes. But there's a difference between a guy that just, you know, maybe weighs 300 pounds and a guy that looks like a 300-pound athlete. So Julian's definitely in the latter category there. However, the thing I'm most excited about about Julian Armella is that he's coming in at a time when we finally have the depth that we don't need him to play right away. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I frankly hope he doesn't have to see the field and that we get, you know, whatever that is, 14 weeks of practices, plus hopefully some bowl practices, plus next spring, plus next fall camp of him developing with all the weightlifting in between there. And then we see him take the field. That being said, um, I'm not going to sit here and lobby for the best player not to play. If the coaching staff thinks he's ready and it's not going to hinder his development, I'm all for it. And when I look at the videos, when I talk to the people that have been at practice every day, uh, they seem to think that he's coming along nicely. And I think when you say too deep, that's not unrealistic. If we're talking, you know, he's a guard, so well, tackle guard, I think he's more of a guard. Um, you know, so there's two starters. So you're asking, will he be in the top four of offensive guards on this roster? I, I think he very well could be, especially by mid late season. Yeah, and to refrain from talking about his his body too much, he is he is a pro body. He he is a kid that will play in the league one day. I don't know, like I'm not going to guarantee a draft pick or anything right now because you know the kid's still very young. He's got a big future ahead of him, but he's he's got a pro body. He will play in the league. The thing is, though, I think. The, que- the, re- the reason you could ask the question, will he play, there is a lot of moving pieces on this offensive line, a lot of transfers coming in that we don't know how good they'll be. I mean, a guy like Bless Harris coming from Lamar, you know, I'm not going to put all my eggs in that basket and hope hope that he's our guy. You know, another guy, Dimitri Emanuel, there's, there's bodies coming in. We just don't quite know what they're going to look like at the ACC Power 5 level. Yeah, sorry, I'm looking at Julian right now, and, and they've got him listed confidently at 6'6". So I was I was doing some checking to see if there's ever been like a tape measured at a camp six foot six. I don't think he's that tall. Um, if he is six six, look, these kids. I mean, he's eighteen. Like I weirdly enough grew like four inches headed into college, uh, so it happens. But um, if he's a true six six, then he might project as more of a tackle. And then in that case, I think he's definitely in the two deep. Because to your point, bless Harris, we've heard good things, but I have been burned before putting my confidence in guys from the FCS. It's just, it's a different level. Like there's, again, we're hoping he translates. We're hoping Jared Verse translates. Uh, We also have our guy from South Carolina that transferred in. Like he, by the way, has the craziest looking wingspan I've ever seen. Uh, Apparently he looked really good today in practice too. So that's, that's a great sign. Another moving piece though. We we don't know, you know, could be a camp hero or he could be, you know, our superhero. We'll see. Yeah, and and with a guy like that, you just don't know. Uh, Him and Caden Lyles are the two I really wonder about because the offensive line is not a simple position. I mean, I haven't played offensive line, admittedly, since middle school, but back then it wasn't simple. Uh, One of my good friends I go to a lot, he coaches in the trenches right now, and when he starts talking about the real X's and O's, there's a lot to it, especially in a scheme like Florida State's where you're running a lot of option stuff and you have to constantly be either showing run blocking that's going to, be really pass blocking and you can't get too far downfield. You have to be keeping an eye on Jordan Travis to see what he's doing. Cause again, illegal receiver downfields will kill drives and all the play calls and checks that you have to know in between that. And I wonder like, can they get up to speed quickly enough? Like it's not, it's not just, can they block the guy in front of them? Whereas in practice, like there is a lot more stopping. There's a lot more coaching, like little mistakes, maybe go, um, I won't say overlooked, but it's a more forgiving environment to maybe not know every single play call like the back of your hand yet but those two i think both have the skills and the bodies for it uh kaden lyles and our our guy from south carolina but i just we got to see if they're able to get the playbook down and if they're able to not be a liability um by making the wrong reads out there on game day 
hundred percent. And there's like you to your point, Norvell's offensive line play is very complicated. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm an expert on it, but there's tons and tons of movement across the offensive line. There's guys. I mean, Dylan Givens will run up the field like a gazelle and with Norvell's offensive line, the amount of pulling he has to do. It's just like you said, it's going to, they're going to have to come in and not just block the guy in front of them. They're going to have to do all the extra work as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. They, that, that's uh yeah, it, it involves a lot of creative blocking schemes. And I wonder, too, and this isn't a knock against him, so folks, please don't think that I'm, like, firing a shot, but this is the first year where you have an offensive line coach who also is your offensive coordinator. So that means during the week, there's a lot less time because he only has so many hours for him to do offensive line instruction because he's got to do full offensive implementation. He's got to be meeting with his coaching staff. He's got to be watching tape and game planning I don't think Alex Atkins is incapable of doing it, but I do think that you're going to have to prioritize experience, maturity, and football IQ over maybe the best physical specimens this year because your offensive line coach doesn't have as much time to sit there and coach a guy up rep after rep after rep. So anyway, um, another question we got, Hunter, quite a bit. Everyone wants to know, like, what's the shiny new toy? So I want your take on this one first. Any true freshman that you think could be starting in game one? Let's say well, game we one or two. Because, you know, Duquesne, we might see a different starting depth chart than we do against the real starting with LSU. You know, I'm interested to see where he actually ends up seeing the field, whether it be at safety or corner. But Sam McCall is going to be on the field during the first game at some point. I don't know if he will start the game in the, you know, in the uh, defensive backfield, but there is no shot that that kid does not play the first game. He is way too talented can play anywhere on defense really he's very skilled there's no way that kid doesn't play and everyone will know him by the end of the year um omar graham another guy talked about the linebacker room yeah besides deloach and bethune who i think i'd like to think bethune will be a sure thing we'll we'll see about that but i mean that's a room where you could come in and immediately play like yeah there there's minutes to be stolen from there i mean dj lundy apparently has progressed a lot this offseason but um another thing i'm gonna have to see it on the field before i believe it so those two guys would really be the guys I would, I would be looking at to to maybe start. I I don't know how many guys will be starting, but they will 100% be seeing the field a good amount. Yeah, man. It's like, it's like we just talked about, right, where in camp when your offense does something good, that means your defense did something bad and vice versa. So you, you start to worry if you hear too many true freshmen starting. It's like we couldn't have been that good at recruiting. Like, yeah. you know, I don't want like nine of them out there, but when you see one or two of them, it's like, okay, we have some real specimens on our hands. Um, I want to talk about throughout the season, though, which ones could see the field the most, because that's another thing we've gotten. But first, I got to tell the people about our title sponsor, BetOnline.net. Folks, it is, it, I'll be honest, it's a little more fun to tell you about BetOnline when the season's coming up. It's its fun to talk about it when it's the off season and it's like, you know, you degenerates are telling me about your cricket bets um, and, and stuff like that. But we're about to be in the real deal. In fact, there's preseason football tonight that they have lines for. Uh, BetOnline.net has lines for almost any sport you can imagine. They've got a lot of alternate lines. They have a lot of prop bets. They've got a great set of futures if you want to bet um, over, unders on win totals. So check out BetOnline. That is your number one source for betting. They've also got some research and things like that that'll hopefully help you make good decisions. So head on over to Bet Online and use promo code LOCK15 to get a welcome bonus that'll uh, match your first deposit when you sign up. Bet Online, where the game starts. 
All right, folks, thank you for rocking and rolling with us. Seriously, I love doing this. Uh, I know Hunter has enjoyed it very much. Drake and Dave love doing this. And we only get to do this because you all do what you do, and that's subscribing to the YouTube channel, and that's coming back each and every day for your favorite Florida State sports talk. Now, we talked about freshmen that could maybe start. Uh, again, hopefully there aren't too many of them. But I do think this is a team where you're going to see a lot of freshmen get playing time throughout the year. So I'd like to talk about which freshmen, maybe if not in a starting capacity, could see significant playing time. And Hunter, I'm just going to lead out the gate with the the star of camp so far, and that's Azaray Thomas. Uh, I agree that Sam McCall is going to see the field, uh, hoping in a special teams capacity, maybe he'll catch some punts. But Azaray Thomas seems to be the real deal. I mean, you know, he came over from, I believe, the Pensacola area. He Niceville. Was, Niceville, yep. He, that's actually where my daughter's mom went to high school, so shout out Niceville High. Um, he, uh, he was, I don't know if he was committed to Florida, but he was like, it was, he was, he was very to Florida. much, very yeah. much in conversation with them. And then, uh, and then what's his name? Dan Mullen, dopey Dan gets fired. He's on his, he's on his way. Um, and then, you know, we're like, okay, well, we're still kind of, we're still kind of in it, but Oklahoma was supposed to be where he was going to go. And Lincoln Riley decided he wanted a little more sunshine in his life. So that was off the table and he fell right in our lap. And I think we're going to look back in a couple of years, Hunter, and be like, man, I don't really care how it happened. We got lucky because the reports from camp aren't just, he's like picking off Gino English a bunch. It's not just <laughs> like, oh, he's had a couple big flashy plays, but he doesn't really know what to do. No, he, he has the, he has the athleticism. He has the size of a power five D one athlete. He also has two older brothers that have been through college football, right? You can see that when he talks, he just, he has a maturity level you don't often see from freshmen. And he's apparently got all the little things. How is it put to me? I, I don't want to quote it exactly, but he basically he's not uh he's not perfect, but there's no major glaring gaps that would make him a liability that would concern the staff. So if any freshmen are going to start, frankly, I think it's probably him at cornerback. And if you're talking about which ones are going to play a lot, I think he's probably going to see the field the most of any uh, of any freshman other than maybe Armella, who we talked about, if we see significant injuries at the offensive line position. Yeah, 100%. And that DB room is super young as is. I mean, Kevin Knowles, I guess, will be eligible this year. But, I mean, Duke Cooper, there's a lot of young guys in that class. And, I mean, he's going to come in and he's going to have a chance to compete and play right away, like you said, and he will 100% play right away. The reports, though, like I said earlier, how it's hard to not fall into the smoke of all these camp reports. They seem real about him. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's just me, but um, you know, it's it's one thing when Brian Courtney is making spectacular catch after spectacular catch, and that's newsworthy. Right. I love the guy. He's probably going to be a great player. But when this kid's like coming in and just making plays right off the bat, actually making plays. I mean, that's a game changer, and he's going to get on the field 100%. Yeah, and and it's funny. I'm gonna probably, I think I'm going to take a shot at the same person I'm about to credit. But, um, yeah, it's it's just different than when you hear Tate Rodemaker had an amazing day. It's like, okay, I, uh, great. I'm sure he had a wonderful day. I'm, I'm sure it was – I'm sure he was really proud of himself, you know, whereas when you hear Azari Thomas had a great day, you start to say, okay, does that, does that pass the sniff test? And you're like, step one – let me think about what I knew about him coming in. Look at his high school highlights. He clearly knows how to play the cornerback position very well. Number two, does he look like someone that could be competing at this level already? 
And that combined with the fact that he was here for 15 practices in the spring and the fact that you look at him, you're like, yes, he looks like he's been in the weight program for eight or nine months. Okay, that adds up. And then finally, I want to hear what does this kid have to say? I mentioned the maturity, but where I'm going to credit someone is he was asked about his interceptions. And it was like, okay, you came down the flat and picked one off. Was that your assignment? And he's very quickly and concisely able to, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging high in coverage and my assignment though is the flat. So when I saw someone break to the flat, I started to move that way. Ball came out and I broke on it. When you're able to very clearly articulate how you did something right, that to me is a, a, a bonus on top of just doing something right. Because anybody can kind of instinctively accidentally do a couple things right if you're just an athlete on the football field. But being able to say, yes, this was my assignment. I saw this happen. Therefore, I did this. And this caused that good thing. That's like, okay, so he's got the body. He's got the highlights. He's got the athleticism. And he seems to have the mental acuity of a power five cornerback. So all those things put together make me think, yeah, these good reports pass the sniff test. Yeah, and I think that's the kind of like the second level between a really good college guy and a guy that's going to play professional football. And you mentioned how he had two older brothers that played college ball. I mean, that that has to pay dividends. I mean, you could they could be scrubs for all I care. That's going to help. You're going to know more about the game. You're going to be a student of the game, I'd like to think. And, I mean, that kid's he's going to go far. Yeah, no, totally agree, man. So uh, I got a couple. Well, we got one more thing to talk about. We've gotten a lot of questions about the QB room. So um, I want to talk about that. And then we are going to do our Locked on Seminoles official award projections, you know, kind of like how they released the Maxwell Award list. We're going to do that for our offensive MVP, our defensive MVPs, and our, uh, I guess we'll call it most improved or our bounce back players of the year. So let's talk, let's talk QB room. I mean, I think the question is just frankly, who's your QB two? Is it AJ Duffy or is it Tate Rodemaker? Now, I'm going to defer to you because you're down there, you're on campus, you know, you know, people that are working with the team that you talk to on a daily basis. You're around it with Seminole Productions. I know what I think of him athletically, but I also know what my co-host, even though I tried to tell him, thought about Chubba Purdy athletically. So like, what are you hearing about, about AJ Duffy? Has it just been a couple flashes? Is he really coming along at the pace that you would expect, like a kid that may vie for a backup position? What, what are your thoughts? Well, from what I had heard um, and kind of seen, he had, you know, and like many people would expect, he had a lot of growing to do. And I don't think that should come really as a surprise. I mean, the kid's 18 years old and he graduated high school however many months ago. I guess he came in early. So, you know, he's still very young. And that showed. Uh, I think it showed in workouts. I think it showed everywhere else in, around the football facility. And I think Tate Rodemaker really, I don't want to say solidified his spot, but I mean, that that gave him a really, really good push going into the season, having that going on. And, um, you know, just him being around the program for three years. It's his third year under Mike Norvell. I, I would yeah. hope to God he would be our, our second string quarterback at that rate. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And, and so I was going to say, I have my own opinions. And um, athletically, number one, uh, Duffy may need to grow a bit, but not physically. I mean, he's already all of 215 pounds. Like he's yeah. what, 6'2"-ish. Um, he's definitely got the, you know, he's not James Blackman. Like we don't need him to put on 30 pounds or anything like that. Um, 
but the reality is he didn't play a ton of high school football, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Kid, like mm-hmm. the, you know, all these COVID kids had it different ways. But I think he was originally in California, so he missed an entire season, I believe. Mm-hmm. Came to IMG last year, where I mean, IMG always has so much talent. I, I, they don't. It, it's just different there. Like I don't want to be like he wasn't the star, like wasn't the only quarterback that played. That's that's not the same thing at IMG as if you go to like Milton High School, right? It's just. Um, but his season ended early. I think it was a hand or a wrist injury. Um, I remember people freaking out because, like, he cleared out his locker. And we're like, dude, no, he just got hurt. And they don't – like, the season's over. You know, that's why – Yeah, you're at IMG. It's not like you're you're going to actual, like, high school classes. <laughs> right. Like, come on. Um, but nonetheless, like, he, he didn't – you know, he, he didn't play a ton of high school football. So there's probably a lot, not just Florida State-wise, for him to learn, but just quarterback and footballing in general – uh, that being said, like, I also have to kind of look at the long game because we are going to have an issue next year where Jordan Travis is probably going to leave. As of right now, the game plan is Jordan Travis is not sticking around. He said that he's made that very clear. I don't know if he thinks he's going to go play in the NFL as a quarterback. I think that his future is probably a little more in the skill position, special teams, and maybe, you know, you use him as a, uh, as a package guy, if he's a quarterback, but it, you know, look, it remains to be seen. I'm, he's surprised me every season he's been at Florida state. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to project what he could do right now. The point is Hunter, like he said, he's gone. So then who's your death chart? Well, right now you have no quarterback signed, not going to get into that situation, but you just don't. So your depth chart then becomes Tate Rodemaker and AJ Duffy. Dude, if one of those guys transfers, you are in an absolute, world of hurt like that that to me would be absolute pandemonium if one of them leaves and you have one quarterback in Geno English and you're just like scrambling to take a transfer because that's how you end up taking a bad transfer right so I'm not saying like keep Tate happy at all costs I don't mean it that way but I have to think politically AJ Duffy would have to be a whole hell of a lot better than Tate Rodemaker for you to put him in that number two spot. Because there's no mm-hmm. rule that says, like, mm-hmm. if Jordan gets hurt, you can't put one of, you know, you can't be like, ah, situationally, AJ, you go in. But, like, to name him as a two on the depth chart, like, that would just be kind of like, I don't know. I feel like that would just kind of be a slap at Tate of, like, did you have to put that on paper? So I, I will say this, though, final thoughts on AJ Duffy. I think if he earns an or designation, you know how Mike Norvell likes to put people on the depth chart where he'll put yep. name and then he'll put or? Mackenzie Milton. <laughs> right. I think we could read into that, though, as like that's as good as him being second string. Because like mm-hmm. I don't th- I just don't think you're going to throw Rodemaker at number three just to make a point when like, yeah, yeah, you know, what's the reason? But let's talk MVPs, man. Let's do some projections. Who is on Hunter Steele's offensive and defensive? You can give me a couple names if you want. It could be a watch list, even. Um, who's on your MVP for each side of the ball watch list headed into this season? Well, offensively, and I, I think in the truest sense of the form, this guy is our most valuable player, and our season is dependent upon his health, and that's Jordan Travis. Um, he, I think, will be our offensive MVP at the end of the year. Like, granted, you know, he's our quarterback, so that it's kind of like the NFL rule where, like, you know, of your quarterback course. is always getting the offensive award. But, I mean, you look at his numbers last year at the start of that North Carolina game and before that, it is night and day. The guy progressed a ton. 
And I don't think a ton of people realize that uh, with this, you know, the the number increase he had over the last couple games. But I'm confident in Jordan Travis's ability. Confident in Trey Benson giving him a little support as well as Trey Ward. Confident in the offensive line depth. We'll see, barring you know, barring any injuries or anything like that. But I think the team around him is really going to help him, and I think he will have his best season as a thrower, 100. And I still think he'll be just as dynamic with his legs. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm glad you uh you threw another name out there because my early season MVP watch list is uh, Trey Benson. The more videos I see of him, the more excited I get. I mean, he looks like he has fully recovered and. He could be something really special. I think the staff is going to look back, and that'll be one that they get to kind of laugh at everyone that that doubted the take. So, oh, he's people high were on... at Norbell's neck when that happened. They wanted oh, yeah. there was they wanted nothing more than the man gone at that point for taking him. You know, after what happened last year with Mackenzie Milton. But yeah, oh, you're 100 percent right. They, they the staff should take the biggest victory lap in the world if this kid turns into a stud. Right, as if like you know he hadn't. Like if as if we hadn't hit on a previously injured four-star transfer running back in Jay Sean Corbin right before mm-hmm. that. I mean, look, guys, if if this coaching staff gets one type of thing right once, I'm not gonna hate on them for trying the same recipe again. It looks like they may hit a couple more names on my watch list. Um, he's been a bit under the radar, but Ontario Wilson, I think, look, right now coming back, he's your most on paper proven receiver. So mm-hmm. I almost think it's kind of a factor of Jordan Travis, for him to succeed, you're going to need a real number one receiver to emerge. Like, I don't mean number one as in an X. I mean, like, a guy to be atop the leaderboard of catches, of touchdowns, a guy that, you know, Jordan can look for in those tough situations, right? And I think Ontario is probably going to be that guy just because there's a reason he caught the most touchdowns on the team by a multiple of two last year. Um, But, yeah, what about the defensive side of the ball? Who are you looking at as a potential... 2021 defense or 2022 gosh the years fly by yeah they're um, flying by but uh, 2022 hunter steals defensive mvp watch list this is a guy who once again i thought was gone I mentioned that with fabian love a couple a couple weeks ago on the show a guy who i thought was gone at the end of the year and i think everybody else thought he was gone our leading tackler jamie robinson the heart and soul i'd like to think of our defense i mean that guy is a dog he is pure florida state defensive back energy i mean that's the best way i could sum it up if you saw him at the acc media day i mean the guy talks to talk and he 100 walks walk he, he was our leading tackler by far he hates miami which i you know i can't get enough of that guy our defense is really solely you know i don't want to say reliant on him but our db room is just so weak we need that and we need a guy that can get out there and tackle i mean we have tatum bethune coming in but we need tackles we need tackles on the field as, as, as much as much as we can yeah, and, and it's good to see that um, the the depth that's in that room that like I feel like every time you talk about the DB room with someone, a new name will come up, right? But Jamie Robinson is one that like he is a staple in that room. It's like him and Duke Cooper to me are the ones that will come up in every conversation. And then we mm-hmm. fortunately have enough depth that they are almost like the um, oh dude, I almost sounded smart. What's the uh, it's like a binary star, you know? Where there's two of them like Tatooine. You're asking the wrong around. guy. Dude, when you have kids, here's what you'll find. You learn so much stuff reading their little books to them. You're like, oh, I didn't know that that existed, you know? And it's, here's your four-year-old. They know they eggs and ham. Yeah, exactly. Um, But man, mine is is the same guy that that it always is. This will come as no surprise to anyone, but Fabian Lovett is my early watch list for MVP. 
if you go watch some of our games last year, I want y'all to watch the success that our defensive ends had, right? We had great defensive ends on both sides, as everyone knows. But watch how many sacks we got because as those guys are fighting with the with offensive tackles on the outside, there's no room to go up the middle or a quarterback gets forced to roll out and like no offensive tackle we played last year was going to be able to go from an in-the-pocket block on one of our defensive ends to stopping him from getting into a quarterback as he's rolling out. And a lot of that was Fabian Lovett. Like he was maybe not the craziest on the stat sheet, but he was a monster in the middle. So I look for that to happen again this year. It's just for me, Fabian getting to the NFL is going to be, can he rush the passer more effectively? Because the reality is at defensive tackle nowadays, you are expected to be able to rush the passer. Like you can't just be a clogger. Hell, Jordan Davis can rush the passer. And that guy's like, what, 360 pounds? Mm -hmm. And he's still getting in the backfield. So I think this year, Fabian Lovett knows he's got to be seen in the backfield more. He's got to go from pushing guys outside and clogging the middle to getting hands on the quarterback, grabbing guys in the backfield. And if he's able to make that step forward, I can't see a world where Fabian Lovett with four sacks is not like your defensive MVP. Um, but yeah, it's, I think we have a deep defense this year and I'm excited to see what they all do. And Hey, one last name that I think we'll both agree on that, uh, I don't know if he gets talked about enough in the offseason, but Caden Deloach, man. Yeah, guy, oh, I, ha I had him written down. Good. He, he was, he, that guy is a stud, and I don't think he gets enough credit as he deserves. I think it was the Boston College game last year where he had the safety. He, he turned it on from that, like, I don't want to say from that moment on because he was good all year, but something clicked that day, and he was everywhere on the field, making plays sideline to sideline. I think he had a pick that game as well. Um, I mean, that, that guy's a stud, and I, I'm very excited to have him in the room. I hope, I'm hoping him and Bethune can be something nice. I mean, we know what, what Deloach is, but um, I guess the question mark's on Bethune. Yeah, I mean, Bethune's going to be a really interesting one because you can't deny the fact that he had 105 tackles in Power 5 competition last year. Like, plain and simple, he's done it at the highest level. We also know that he was working with a, um, working with a groin injury last year, so... Uh, or last spring, I'm sorry that, but he says he had surgery. He said he's gone through rehab. Like, said he's fine. So I, I'm not too worried about the injury. What I'm worried about with Bethune is like, are we properly calibrating our expectations from 105 tackles at the G5 level, 108, sorry, um, down to the P, the P5 level? Like, I don't know. Is that a 30 percent drop? Is it a five percent drop because he improves commensurately? Uh, we'll have to wait and see, but I think I think I actually called him Caden. Um, I think Kalen Deloach, if he keeps that improvement up, is is going to have a phenomenal year. Now, finally, as we uh, get ready to head out of here, speaking of improvement, let's not forget the guys that maybe have grinded it out. Maybe they were hurt. Who knows? Um, who's on your watch list for most improved? Doesn't have to be an injury. Could just be a guy that you think, hey, this is going to be his year. But who's on your most improved award watch list for 2022? I'll flip it this time and start with start with defense. Um, Jarrett Jackson is a name that I think okay. a guy he hasn't done a lot. I'll, I'll admit that right now he hasn't done a ton as a, as a member of the Florida State Seminoles. But with where our D line depth is, granted we have Lovett and Cooper. We got some solid guys in the middle, some solid older guys. I think he he's a guy that the coaching staff was really really high on coming into this camp. They I, he's gotten in better shape. He's gotten quicker. I'd like to think and. You know, they gave him number 12 for a reason. You know, he went from number, what was it, 39 or 40, some random number, and they gave him number 12. I think the coaching staff has, you know, high expectations for him, and 
I think he's a guy who can come in and, you know, I don't, I don't know what the scale would be to measure improvement, but I think he's a guy that, you know, you won't forget he's on the field this year. Yeah, I, I agree with that, man. And mine is, uh, I'm just pulling up his full stat list here. Um, mine's going to be the guy who actually won it in 2020, Dennis Briggs. So Dennis Briggs, we, we spoke about him actually. Uh, I think he was my, my something blue uh, because of this reason, right? Coming off injury. Someone reminded me in our comments, by the way, guys, make sure, and girls, um, even though 98.6% of you, according to YouTube, are men, but nonetheless, guys and girls, uh, make sure uh, y'all comment if there's anything you want to hear about further. But someone reminded me that Briggs actually sat out voluntarily in 2020. I'd forgotten mm-hmm. about that. And then yeah. he ended up coming back when they needed him for depth. So that said a ton to me, right? Like that's a kid who cares about the team because he did kind of the reverse of what players do. He was worried about COVID, which that's his right to be. I, I'm not going not gonna to hold that against him at all. Uh, but when the team really needed him, he was like, all right, look, I'll come back in. Got to think he was out of shape, but he fought through, had some good stats, uh, one most improved. And then last year, after six and a half tackles for loss, uh, uh, pass defended and two QB pressures, a fumble recovered, and two quarterback hurries, he got hurt in the Louisville game because of a ridiculous chop block. Um, because again, God forbid they, re- they protect defenders' knees. Dude, how nuts is this? He was 70th in the conference last year in quarterback hurries for his, like, that's not, that's not by position. That's total for quarterback hurries. 70th in the nation. Dude only yeah. played four games. <clears throat> like, yeah. So you're talking about that kind of size, right? He's still listed 285 pounds. And coming off the edge, if he was able to do that in a few games, if he's fully healthy, I think he's probably going to be the comeback player of the year. Um, and then offensively for me, I'm just going to, I'm going to go ahead and project it. I think it's going to be, well, I guess this wouldn't be comeback, but I think Winston Wright Jr., right? If he's able to see the field after that car wreck, uh, Winston Wright, for those of y'all that may not remember, may be like, hey, the name sounds familiar. He transferred to us from West Virginia. Last year, I believe he had around 650 receiving yards in the Big 12. Very excited about him. He came in for the spring, and I think they did. What did they do, Hunter? They do like, I think, one week of practice, and then they go on spring break. It's like a weird mm-hmm. cadence. Yeah, he was yeah, home. makes no sense. Yeah, he was home. He was riding in a car. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't even his driver's fault. They got hit by someone coming that ran a red light, broke his leg, missed the spring, missed most of the summer, but he's been at practice. Really encouraging to see. And if you can get a guy that has a proven track record of being able to have 600-plus receiving yards to have some production, that is going to be a really, really good thing for this offense. And if he's able to do that, after snapping his leg in half in a car wreck, well, that, I mean, come on, that wins comeback player of the year for me, plain and simple. Yeah, if that kid sees the field at all, he should win comeback player of the year. Um, I'm not necessarily banking on him seeing the field. These practice clips they've put out of him, it's very encouraging, but he's also running with a limp. He well, he doesn't look, he doesn't, you know, well, yeah, obviously, but it's like, you know, it's, I just I, I'm not confident in the guy seeing the field. I agree though. If he does, he's 100 uh, percent comeback player of the year. There's there's no way you can't give it to him. The guy was running on a soft treadmill like a month and a half ago. He he should not be where he is. But um, I guess we'll wrap it up. My most improved player is none other than the guy who was hurt last year, and I guess he's really only famous right now for his uh, Clemson touchdown. But Lawrence Toafili. Oh. I thought you were about I, to say TikTok. I was like, don't say Gino English. He's not no, 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 no. Um, Lawrence Toafili is a guy, 
you know, he was hurt last year. He had a great freshman year. I personally thought, I mean, I think a lot of people were in that same boat. He, he really performed well that first year. He's coming back. He looks bigger. He looks stronger. And it kind of goes with my Jordan Travis theory. The whole team around him, I mean, at least it seems has gotten better. The offensive line has undoubtedly gotten better. I think you could say that with the additions they have. I think a guy like him, you know, he's going to be able to have the, uh, not as much pressure on him as being the third running back in the lineup. But a guy, Norvell's third running back seems like they always are always eating and always doing well. So yeah. he's a guy that I, I will definitely keep my eyes out for most improved. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm interested to see where he fits in because I think this is his year where he's got to prove he can be a running back. Like, we all kind of feel like he's got a little something special and, you know, he can be a scat back. He can, he can really, you know maybe break away if he gets an opening, but we haven't really seen him be able to be like a hand me the ball and let me run with it. And let me also do that. I think Notre Dame, it was like most apparent to me where you saw Jay Sean have a couple runs. You saw Trey Sean have a couple runs. And I remember watching Toa Philly. There was that play where he got free kind of across the middle and got, he got brought down, but he had a good little scamper and it just looked different. It was like, you know, Jay Sean looked like he was imposing his will on Notre Dame's defense. Like, you know, yeah, he got some good blocks, but his touchdown run, like you just, you see him go through a narrow little alleyway. He's not going to get tackled. He outruns people. Trey Sean, not as much outrunning, but still feels like he's just a big guy kind of imposing that will on the defense. And then Tofili, it almost feels like for lack of a better word, I don't want to say he got lucky. I won't put, he, he looks more like a, look more like a, a defender running with an interception where you almost felt like the minute someone grabs him, he's going to go down. Like, it just feels like he's kind of going opening to opening, but he doesn't have that like, okay, I'm going to punch you in the mouth with it too. And I'm going to force my way through this hole and get to the end zone. So I think I'm with you. If he can find that this year, that is a, an a plus pick for, for most improved. If, if that can come alive, um, obviously there's always more to say, Obviously, there are uh, a lot more names on this list. I mean, dude, we could sit here and probably list off like four wide receivers, like the Kintron Portiers, the Malik McLeans, the one where it's like, are any of you guys ever going to learn how to be a great receiver? Like we keep hearing you might be, but we'll get to those in a later date. Uh, Hunter, thanks for rocking and rolling with me. Folks, thanks for being here. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Click the bell up top. I'm Max. That was Hunter. And this was Locked on Seminoles. That was really good. That was a-